0: Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. If you've been listening to this show, you've heard me talk about the changing world of public relations, In my opinion, what worked in the past just doesn't work anymore. Is a press release important? Yeah, but it may not be the main way to get your story in the hands of the editors, whether it's newspapers, magazines, TV, etc., etc. And who better to know than a managing editor, best-selling author, and public relations expert? Joining me at the cafe today is Justin Breen, CEO and founder of Brepic Communications out of Chicago. So stay tuned. Let me take a quick break, and we'll begin our conversation with Justin. A chief marketing officer has both the power and the responsibility to drive long-term strategic growth that can ultimately lead to organizational prosperity. And that growth starts with a vision. What is your firm's definition of success? Growth? How will you strategically work towards expansion, for example? Equally important, what is your customer's perception of your firm? And how well do you meet a need or deliver value? When you begin to align your vision with that of your customer, you build a stronger, lasting relationship with them. You see the whole picture, realizing the lifetime value of that customer, as well as the lifetime value you provide. A CMO must look at success with a strategic mindset, looking beyond the transactional. The CMO must understand the customer journey, utilizing the competitive intelligence, embracing and leveraging your unique market insights. If your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a fractional CMO. Visit theponzigroup.com to learn more. As I mentioned, I'm joined by Justin Breen, CEO and founder of Brepic Communications. Justin, welcome.
1: Angelo, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you. It's uh. Lovely day. I can see we, while the, the audience can't see the, the pictures, we can see it in your in Chicago area, and it looks like a beautiful day there.
1: You will hear, hear a lot of birds during this uh, broadcast for sure.
0: I like that. So so audience know that I'm not piping in bird sounds throughout this, <laughs> uh, this presentation today, um, but I do like it. I do like it. It's fun. So before we get started, why don't you take a few minutes and tell the audience about yourself and your business?
1: Sure. So uh, I was a journalist for 20 years, created my entire business model based on how PR firms annoyed me for 20 years. So uh, most PR firms send out useless press releases. Um, and as a journalist, you get hundreds of these a day from people you don't know. So my firm, uh, which is called Brepic, creates uh, newsworthy stories um, that are interesting, inspirational, that kind of thing. Uh, it becomes links on the client's website under news or blog. So it would look like a link that you would see in the LA Times or the Chicago Tribune or the New York Times. And then I take that link and pitch it to media locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. And if media's interested, I put them in touch with the client contact moving forward. So it's been a very simple, streamlined process. I only work with visionaries who look at things as investments, not costs. So if someone's like, what do you cost or what do you charge? It's an automatic Disqualifier, and what that's led to is this global incubator of geniuses who are were constantly introducing each other for mutual gain, and the byproduct is I'm constantly getting intros to companies and businesses and amazing people around the world that want to hire my firm.
0: That's great. Well, I, I like the fact. I mean, you, you mentioned visionaries, but to me, when you're talking about if someone's really concerned with price, I look at value. As soon as someone starts talking about, you know, what's your hourly? Hourly. And yeah, it's like, <laughs> come on, you know, what's really? the value? Yeah, it's, you know, years ago when I was in the advertising business, I remember we were sitting around at lunch with a, a client and we started brainstorming. And in like 15 minutes, we came out, we came up with this idea for a new ad campaign. Okay. So so then we billed the client, it was, I don't know, 25, dollars $30,000, and he went ballistic because he said, hey, we did this in 15 minutes. So it wasn't the 15 minutes, it was the 30 years of experiences Mm -hmm. and value that you got to get us to that point in 15 minutes, not the other way around. So I always find that really interesting when clients and, and prospects, whoever, get it confused about the value versus, you know, the dollar sign.
1: So the reason I'm so direct with how I talk and how I communicate what my company does and what my company is, is because... I am very intentional about weeding out those type of people that I do not want to work with. And frankly, that's most people because most people have a cost uh, scarcity mindset, especially now. But the, the visionaries in my network on a global level do not have that. They have an investment abundance mindset. And so those are the only people I like working with because not only are they great clients and just great, happy people in general, but usually the people in their networks feel the same way. So like, again, that's what my company is on a much higher level thinking. It's just this giant incubator of amazing people everywhere. And we're just, like I said, constantly introducing each other for mutual gain. So companies like mine and and the people in my network, they're not affected by COVID at all. And if they are, they're just pivoting and investing heavily right now. So again, there's two ways of looking at life. Most people cost adversity uh, and that's fine. It's just, I don't look at life like that. It's always investment in abundance. And then that just attracts other people like that.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. It's uh, uh, I've been talking to other people as you know, COVID happened, and certainly what I see, and I'm sure you have seen, maybe not in this business, and other businesses, that uh, marketing tends to be seen as an expense item and gets chopped pretty quick as a way to put money at the bottom line. And unfortunately, uh, I like to look at it to your point as an investment in their future and their future success. And and when you when you only see it as an expense item, then then you know that becomes very difficult. And the one of the beauties of doing what we do is we can decide not to work with those people. Oh yeah. And that's been great. I remember the first time, and it was probably only about twelve years ago that we actually fired a really, really, really good client, but they were just horrible to work with and they were penny pinchers. And it yeah. was, got to the point where my staff was going crazy. And, and so we made this conscious decision to let him go. And I mean, it was a huge monthly fee, but it was destroying the agency. And, and so we were much better for it by not having them on the roster.
1: Yeah, and, and again, there's um there's ways of looking at life. So like I'm the oddball outlier entrepreneur that like revenue to me it doesn't really mean anything. Like I'm my company makes plenty of money, and um, once you get to a certain point, it's like really how much money do you need to make? It's more of like my 10xing is 10xing my network on a global level because that creates endless opportunities for my network and for myself, and then. 10xing experience in life. So like doing things with my wife and my kids doing I mean, that's what that's what having money does allow you to do it allows you to do some fun, cool activities, you know, but other than that, like, I think people are starting to realize that money really isn't that important as long as you have enough to to live on and be some, you know, somewhat relatively you know, relaxed in that standpoint. But like after a while, it's just, it just becomes money. So um, again, most entrepreneurs I know, they're definitely um, focused on building revenue. And, and I understand and appreciate that. It's just, that's not my, that's not my goal in life.
0: So uh, before we get started and dig into, into kind of your journey and what's going on, I, I ask a few questions of all my guests. So the first one, I mean, you started this business in 2017. Mm-hmm. So as you've been growing this business, what keeps you up at night?
1: Yeah, I get this question all the time. And and uh, most people are like, really, that's your answer? I go, well, nothing keeps me up at night because my business is super successful. I only work with the people I want to work with. I see my wife and children as much as I want to. And so that's what I mean. Like, I've created an entire business that I do what I like to do and what I'm good at. I only work with the people I want to work with. I make as much money as I want to. And so, I mean it's nothing keeps me up at night. There's, I have no complaints at all. So again, once you stop chasing money and focus on things that uh, to me are the most important, then none of this other stuff really matters. So, um, and business continues to grow because my network on a global level continues to grow and I keep meeting these visionary abundance mindset people. And so most of my day is just talking to people uh, all across the world who think the same way I do. So for me, that's endlessly exciting and intoxicating. And, uh, Again, I only do what I like to do and what I'm good at, so there's, it's not work; it's just fun.
0: What's the best business advice you've ever given and/or received?
1: Yeah, so the book I just wrote, um, which is an international bestseller in six countries and number one for entrepreneurs in the U.S., it details 30 of those type of lessons that I that I learned uh, from some of the top entrepreneurs in the world in my company's first 30 months of business, and each of those 30 lessons is a chapter. The very best thing that I've learned is that do what you love to do and what you're good at. Um, The best entrepreneurs I know basically do one thing at a super high level and they just keep doubling down on it and raising rates. And that's what I've done within my own business. I'm very focused on my core process and enhancing and continuing to double down on it. And that's why it's been successful is because if, if someone doesn't want to do what I do, that's fine. I'll just refer them out to somebody else. But I focus on what I'm really good at and essentially better than anyone else in the world at, and then what I really like to do.
0: Okay. What's the best compliment you ever got?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So because I probably make 10, minimum 10 life-changing intros a day. So again, I can talk to somebody in Australia, and they'll say something totally random, and I'll be like, oh, I know someone in California that thinks the exact same way. And then a week later, I'll get an email from them saying, I don't know how you uh, made that intro, but this person's my new best friend. Um, so thank you so much. So I get one of those thank you emails once a day and I always really appreciate it because, um, like at PR, that's great. And my company does really well at that. What I really enjoy doing is making these life-changing intros that have nothing to do with my business yet. It has everything to do with my business because these compliments are sincere and genuine. And I know I, in fact, am changing people's lives by introing to people, to other great people who can either help change their business or become friends or you know referral type people and i just know i don't write anything down it's just all in my head and i'm just can connect the dots on a crazy high level
0: the um now i'm going to come back to the book a little bit later in the conversation but if your journey as a business owner and this was a book mm-hmm. right not necessarily your book but if your journey was mm-hmm. what would that title be
1: it would be the title of my book, which is Epic Business. That's what my, the whole book is about, my journey. Um, so, and I spent a lot of time working with some very high level advisors coming up with the title of that and some of my mentors as well. But the backstory um, you know, my job salary got cut in half February 10th, 2017, when I was working as a full time journalist just because the job, they, they've terminated two people day, that day and then they cut my salary in half basically just to keep me employed because I was doing a good job. Um, so over the next couple of weeks, I looked for a full-time job, couldn't find one because it's a black hole nightmare out there for people looking for jobs. And um, so I decided to incorporate April 16th, 2017, while I was still working full-time. Nobody knew about it for the, over the next six weeks, I reached out to 5,000 people to get my first five clients. So one in a thousand, I got my fifth client, resigned from my full-time job the next day. And then a couple days later, Robert Feeder, who's the top media columnist in the Midwest did a story that I'd started my own firm. So that's what my book's about. Like I didn't know what a W nine was before I started a company. I didn't know what an LLC meant even stood for. And now here I am running this global company that only works with the best people on the planet. So like this is how I did it. So
0: did you did you find that transition difficult? No from, No, not
1: no. at all. Because no, because um when I was a journalist for 20 plus years they were giving me weird jobs because they didn't know what to do with me so I was an entrepreneur. I was an entrepreneur inside a company and um, uh, being a journalist in terms of being ridiculed and getting denied access or getting you know you know ta- trying to get talk to ten people to get run one really good quote that actually prepared me a lot to be an entrep- entrepreneur because when you're an entrepreneur if you can't handle like ludicrously high stress and overwhelming failure you know, things like that, then, then this is not a life for you. I strongly recommend don't starting your own business, but because as a journalist, like just to get to Chicago, I had to put myself through so much failure and continuing to just head down, keep digging, keep digging, keep digging, and, you know, grinding away. And um, that's similar to how it is to start a business, although starting a business is much more stressful and much more highs and lows in the corporate world. But at least I had some type of preparation, in terms of how that could feel being a journalist.
0: Now you you mentioned, uh, you know, you've dealt with a lot of PR firms and saw what, you know, you you didn't like Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and the stuff that they were doing. And, and I, and I I think we mentioned this in a kind of one of our earlier calls is, I mean, the traditional world of public relations, at least from my standpoint, has changed drastically Mm -hmm. and, and it it really just doesn't work. I've had a recent experience where uh, with a client and the, the, the firm we just did not get any traction, or they did not get any traction like we had hoped with this with this client. But with your approach, I mean, it really seems to be different. And, and, and on your website you say we grow your business brand with expert social media postings, crafting click clickworthy stories, craved by local, regional, and national media. Su- successful pitching to outlets, etc. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you do you figure out what the media wants? first and craft the story, or are you crafting the story, which I think is the traditional then going out and pitching? So what's your process?
1: Yeah. So again, as a journalist, I wrote two to three stories on deadline every single day. So someone can talk to me for an hour and 55 minutes will be totally useless to what anyone cares about. But in five minutes, I'll know what the story is. So, um, I mean, that's one of my unique abilities. I can talk to someone and find a story out of that. So media just needs two things, a good story, which pretty much everybody has, People are constantly telling me things that they've never told anyone else before just because I just know how to do that. I know how to interview people. So that's one thing is a good story. And then the other thing is a news peg, meaning why is it a story now? So are you writing a book? Are you running across the United States? Did you start some new company? You know, whatever. Are you speaking at some big event? And that's all media needs. So the reason why my business has always done well, but really exploded in the last three months is because all these visionary wackadoos that... Uh, look at things in abundance. And then as investments, they're just pivoting, investing like crazy right now. And they don't look at things as marketing as a cost. They look at it as an investment. And this is a huge opportunity for them. And that's the way I look at what's going on now as well. This is an incredible opportunity for people to start their businesses or or pivot on their businesses or come up with new amazing technology and all that kind of stuff. So So I guess to answer your question is like I just know what a good story is from doing this my entire life. And then I know what outlets are good fits. And then when clients say, well, I really want to be in this place or whatever, then I just double down on those efforts. So that's how my brain works. And that's why I focus on one thing that I'm really good at.
0: Do you find there is a difference in pitching domestically versus internationally? No. What do you think? uh, What's something people might misunderstand about you or your offering?
1: I don't think there's anything to be misunderstood, and so that's why I was, um, that's why I'm so direct. There's a four-step process. It's on my website. I'm not hiding anything. To your point earlier, I can't tell you how many people have told me they've worked with other firms and have been horribly disappointed, and/or they have no idea what that firm does. And I frankly don't know what PR firms, a lot of them do. Any, uh, also, I literally have never understood it. So my firm does literally one thing. Um, it only focuses on visionaries and people who look at things as investments. So I'd weed out all the people that wouldn't understand it. I only want to attract the people that get it and understand making this type of investment increases business right away, but also more importantly increases their validity and credibility short and long-term. How do you, uh, how do you market yourself? So I do it indirectly, meaning I don't sell anything. In fact, most of the conversations I have, we don't even talk about business unless somebody asks me what I do, um, we just talk about life and I try to mesh people's brains. Like if someone doesn't mesh with my brain, they go away very quickly. And it, the way I talk and the way I think it only attracts these, I mean, it just attracts these amazing people all over the world. So, um, most of my business comes from this network that just keeps introducing me to all these other great people. And I'm just constantly introducing them to other great people. The other, you know, maybe 10, 20% is I've, 40,000 followers on social media including more than 21,000 on LinkedIn and I use LinkedIn especially as a commercial for other people like my clients are always in mainstream media or whatever and so I just post like thanks Chicago Tribune for picking up the story and tag my client and then other uh, people are like oh wow this person's getting all this exposure and then they reach out to me or whatever so I mean I again like I don't sell anything I just this is who I am and if you don't want to work with me that's fine but i the people that do they're very high level and they're just awesome and those are the people i want to work with anyway so
0: yeah you know it's interesting um and and kind of looking at your site and a little background on you you also have used your own talents and skills to to put yourself in the media and i think there was mm-hmm. uh so it, it was that um purposeful or just circumstance or total
1: circumstance so what you're talking about is um so i had this uh ridiculous idea because i'm an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs come up with ridiculous ideas but a lot of them make a lot of money off of those um so uh in 2018 i was my wife's a doctor and we met the day before she started our medical her medical school so like literally our relationship is like we've never really dated we have two sons who are seven and six now our little guy just turned six Um, so, um, in 2018, I'm like, yeah, let's just go out once a week without our kids. And again, I have a high following on social media, so I just started posting these photos or whatever, and people really started liking it. And then, um, the last week of the year, the Chicago Tribune's top columnist, she won a Pulitzer Prize, Mary Schmich did a column on, she went to dinner with us and she did our story or whatever. And what happens with that is what happens with my clients a lot of times is one outlet does it and then you know, somebody else sees it and does their own version. And so the Today Show did their own on NBC did their own version of it and we were on multiple other television shows live kind of things. So there was no intent to get publicity out of, out of that at all. Um, but it wound up getting an amazing amount of publicity. And to this day, like you just did now, people bring it up and it's led to lots of intros, lots of business, lots of great opportunities. And and that's what, you know, I try to tell my clients too and people you know, who are on my network. I'm like this media, these links, they never go away. And it just, it continues to build and build and build and build. And it helps you with your validity and credibility. And just shows in that case that you're an actual human being and you like to do cool things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of the things I do when I, when I start looking at a prospect or is, as I go to their website and I look at their blogs, I try to find their articles and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. It just ne- never ceases to amaze me. You know, that. They'll go on. I, this actually happened yesterday. I was on a site, somebody I was talking to and they haven't published a blog since like, since like 2017.
1: So it's still their last thing published 2017.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I see that all the time and it's, I do too. Yeah. And it's just crazy to me that sometimes what I think is just common sense that just eludes people when it comes to, you know, putting their best faith, uh, foot forward and in their face of their organization um, and, and this other one I was on, I was clicking on the links and it just come, kept coming back to the same page. It was, you know, nothing was working, not everything was broken. And, and I was trying to explain to them, how do you tell me what, how great your company is? Right. And yet I go to your website and I can't find any greatness. Your copy doesn't reflect anything you just told me. So it's, it's nuts.
1: So I think you make a really good point because on, on these websites, there's two things that I look at every single time. Um, uh, certainly before I talk to someone or just in general, if I'm looking them up, it's the main page, obviously. And then the about section, like what's the company's history or who are the people in charge and you know, where did they go to college? Like, So if the about section isn't good and or interesting, that is not a good sign. So tell me,
0: um, so give me a couple examples. I like stories. You're a storyteller. Tell me, tell me a few uh, stories of, of your clients and kind of the process that led to the success and placements and those kinds of things.
1: Man, there's so many. Um, so in what I do, um, I don't typically ask for ROI um, because like people who ask about ROI, it's like, that's not why you necessarily do this. You do this for validity and credibility. However, for some of these contests, I do ask for that. Um, some of these like PR contest so uh like um golden trumpets which was the top like pr award in the midwest or whatever so for that um i don't want to say their names per se cuz the like the award submissions are confidential but um they were both um cpas/financial advisors and got them in you know multiple financial magazines tv radio newspapers, that kind of thing, magazine, niche publications. And there, one of them uh, had mentioned to me, he was getting between three and five new clients and he filled this out like a year after our campaign had ended and he was getting three to five new clients every week because of it, because people would constantly see you know, this Forbes article or like you were saying earlier, they were looking this person up and then you know, they're seeing all these great articles about him. So he was averaging between five, five and 10,000 a week in new business just from that. And that was a small, that was a small project campaign where it was one story and I, you know, pitch it for three months. So that's, that's a, a typical kind of success story where it's like, um, you know, these clients, they, they gain all this validity and credibility, not just in the short term, but in the long term, too. They're attracting all this new business because people are constantly seeing them in the news and these links, again, never go anywhere.
0: Do you find that, that you're doing mostly about the, I'll call it the, the people within an organization versus the product or the company itself?
1: So this is the rule I live by most of the time. Nobody cares about what you do, they care about who you are, but if they care about who you are, they will care about what you do. So that's the biggest um, mistake in my opinion that a traditional press release, which those are the two worst words together in the English language for me, but um, but the typical press releases are totally useless to anything human related at all. I mean it's like written like a, by a robot who has, you know, who's just doing a job as opposed to actually finding out what is interesting about this person Um, so there's obviously some exceptions to that like I work with um, a lot of clients who are doing some amazing cutting-edge technology and things that are you know certainly helping with COVID and stuff so obviously those stories are more about the product or tech or adaptations that the clients are doing but for the most part it's more important to talk about who the person is behind the company and make the journalist and public care about who that person is and then they'll care about what they do.
0: What inspires
1: you? It's a good question. Um, Boy, I'll tell you, um, I love my family very, very much. I'm a really, really good dad and an above average husband, Um, sometimes average. (laughs) So sometimes pretty good. My wife usually grades me like a seven out of 10. She gave me an eight on Father's Day. I was really happy with that. There you Um, go. But, you know, sometimes in the two or three. So it averages out to like a five or six. But um, so I'm very passionate about my family. My father died when I was 13. Uh, He was 61 when I was born. So like, he was a World War Two soldier and stuff. And and, like, um, so he never really treated me like a kid. It was more like, um, you know, we watched like rated R movies and stuff when I was a kid. So like, with my kids, I'm the same kind of way. We're more like best friends and stuff than father son. Um, so I'm very passionate about that. And because my dad died when I was so young, I really like spending a ton of time with my kids and we're very wild. And I'm like the oldest brother, like my wife says, she has three sons, not two. Um, so that's, that's one, obviously, uh, two is like, if I didn't have to sleep and or raise a family or whatever, I could literally talk to amazing people around the world 24 seven. And that's what I do most of my day. It's, um, It's really fascinating to see how that has evolved. And that was the number one thing I learned from my book is that it's not a PR firm. It's this incubator of geniuses around the world. Um, And I'm in all these global entrepreneurial groups where I've really evolved how my brain thinks, not only in a business aspect, but in a life aspect and giving and caring aspect as well. So being around really amazing people, not nickel and dime thinkers, not cost, uh, you know, um, scarcity mindset people, but investment abundance mindset people. That's what inspires me um, just constantly being around people like that because there's you know, such a few percentage of the population and even entrepreneurs think like that. But when I find people like that, I, it's like uh, like I'm addicted to them. It's like a drug intoxicating. And, and then those people just keep introducing me to more and more people like that.
0: We are, we are coming down the uh, last three, four or five minutes. So I want to talk a little bit about the book. I believe there's 30 lessons in the book. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk about a couple, two or three, to, to for the audience to uh, hopefully get inspired to go buy it?
1: Sure. So it's uh, it's called Epic Business. It's on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. It's going to be in Target and Walmart and all those. So that was, that's been exciting to see how that's evolved. Um, and, uh, again, the number one thing I've learned is do what you like to do and what you're good at. Um, a couple other things and since I help people start businesses all the time now because people so many people help me um, when you start a business it really takes two full years to figure things out like if you're expecting you know you start a business and then six months in it's gonna like really start to click even if you're making you know more money than you ever thought you could it really does Based on my experience and the experience of so many other folks I've talked to, it it really does take t- two full years to figure out your process and the people you like talking to and all that kind of stuff. So that's a good one. And then the other one is only work with people that look at things as investments, not costs. And that's why I'm so direct and adamant about if someone says what do you cost or charge? Those people go away very quickly because I just they're they're toxic. They're just toxic for multiple reasons. And so Um, you know, maybe you can't do that at first when you start a business, you have to, you know, weed out some bad apples, but once you do that and you only start working with the best people, it really just makes all the difference in the world.
0: So last question then is, you know, my, my show, the concept of my show is about business and about giving business advice. Mm -hmm. So if you could speak to those entrepreneurs, small businesses, middle market companies, which is my audience, what two or three suggestions would you give them about their journey as entrepreneur.
1: yeah so again i'm very direct if you cannot handle ludicrously high anxiety stress um, every really high level entrepreneur i've ever met has been depressed at some point or another including myself like this is not the life for you and if you can't handle that then you know i would not recommend continuing in this field that said um, the best entrepreneurs I know have failed so many times that failure is really a good thing. Um, and it's the best thing that can happen to you. And, you know, strongly encourage everyone to learn from their failures. Um, every great success I've had in my life has uh, followed an incredibly bad failure from meeting my wife to starting my business. it all, it's just all, it's all, um, not necessarily a rebound, but like almost a reaction or a, a pivot up from a massive, either one failure or an enormous amount of failures. So, I mean, this people, I can't tell you how many people a day talk about what's going on with their businesses or, you know, the problems they're facing or things that they have to overcome. And I always have a two-word response to it. It's entrepreneur life. This is just entrepreneur life. So that's what it is. That's what you've agreed to do by entering this world. So um, it also has provided such an amazing amount of joy and freedom and, flexibility and again doing what I want to do and what I'm good at and I just really love my life and I'm very thankful that my job salary was cut in half February 10th 2017 it turns out that was one of the best days of my life
0: that's a great way to look at it I mean you're you're absolutely right this is um, I like to say that's this road is has a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns and while you were talking my mind was flashing to a roller coaster sitting on that very (laughs) top of that big drop because you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, we we saw a lot of those uh, reactions um, right at the beginning of COVID, and I've spent a lot of time talking to to clients and prospects about what they should not have done and what they should have done. And I've seen it before, and I've written about it. And, yep. and and you're right, it it is an interesting road. And and I talk about, you know, in between my successes are a lot of, I call them dead bodies or a litter <laughs> on the side of the road. Just, yes. <laughs> yeah, it just happens. I mean, and, and to your point, my very first uh, entrepreneurship was, I was 23 right. and I wanted to start a film company Right. and my partners were about 45 and 50 right. and they convinced me that we could bring Hollywood to Orange County, California. <laughs> and what did I know? I agreed with them and spent all my money and we actually did pretty well for a while but unfortunately all our work was in Hollywood not in Orange County California so we didn't quite get to the model and then you know they lost interest in uh, you know the rest is history in and out in 8 months but man what a what an education in 8 months it was unbelievable
1: entrepreneur life man
0: yeah exactly exactly so Justin, thank you so much. This has been really, really interesting. I I love the perspective I've talked to and have worked with lots of PR folks. And I love the approach and and kind of the the, the commitment you have in working with people that just have a vision and are not concerned about the ROI or the dollar. It's, it's so hard. I get that all the time still. It's like, I need to measure this. I said, but what are you measuring? I said, I simply, for example, in, in my podcast, I have a conversion of how many people visit the site and I don't make any money. Right. And so you have to decide what's important to you. Not necessarily there's a dollar for dollar investment and return or two for one kind of thing. That's why I don't
1: work with anyone like that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So again, thank you so much. Why don't you tell the audience uh, how they can contact you, connect with you, buy your book, all that good stuff.
1: Sure. Um, just look me up on social media, especially on LinkedIn. I use it as a commercial for other people. So it's Justin Breen, B is in boy, R E E N is in no, and then my company is brepicllc.com. B is in boy, R E P is in pony, I C is in cobra, LLC.com. brepicllc.com.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for joining us at the cafe today. You can find out more about me, view my blogs, watch my videos and all that good stuff at theponzigroup.com or certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. And if your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full time person yet, connect with me. I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a CMO. And lastly, please subscribe to this show. And if you're already a subscriber, I encourage you to invite others so they can benefit from the great content like we had here today with Justin. You can also go to thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or subscribe on any major podcast platform. And also go to uh, Justin's uh, LinkedIn. You can see the book. He was flashing it up right there for me. (laughs) And, um, And I encourage everyone to go ahead and buy that. So join me next week at the Business Growth Cafe. Justin, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thank you
0: for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.